The Distraction, hosted by former Deadspin writers Drew McGarry and David Roth, is a new sports podcast coming from Defector and Stitcher. Join the guys and their guests as they break down the week in sports while addressing their fair share of off-the-field issues. Whether it's discussing NBA players getting testy in the bubble, Bill Belichick cutting 80% of his roster just to keep himself interested, or horrifying takes from sports talk radio that need to be broken down, Drew and Roth are ready to serve you some hot sports action. But do stick around for a few extra distractions. You deserve them. Listen and subscribe to The Distraction, a Defector podcast, right now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Maybe I'm crazy, but I love the golf talking cam. We've got to implement that in the future. It's great. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Thanks for joining us again this week. Hope that you and yours are doing well. Very, very, very excited for our guest this week on the podcast, Danny Trejo, the OG. He is amazing. He's got a new documentary coming out, Inmate Number One. It's coming out July 7th. So we talked to him about that, talked to him about some LA sports, LA lifestyle, his taco place, his, his coffee place. He's even got a beer. He's the dopest. Uh, I've been very excited to talk to him for a couple weeks now, and he's great. Of course, the whole crazy gang is here. T, Heller, and Donnie will get into a little Cam Newton. Of course, the match this weekend was awesome, and lots of other stuff going on around the NFL. But let's get started with Danny Trejo. So excited to talk to Danny Trejo, a, uh, a personal hero of mine. Um, you know, I, when I think of like being tough, but being very sincere, I always think of you. And, uh, you know, I like to consider myself tough, not your, not as tough as you, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I just think you're an incredible talent. You have such an amazing story. Um, and you're also a big LA sports fan. So I wanted to talk to you about that as well. But, um, but first let's talk about your, your documentary that's coming out inmate number one. Um, so tell us a little bit about your documentary. Well, you know, uh, the first five years of my career, I played inmate number one. I was just. Every time I'd show up, the director would look at me and say, uh, you're the guy with that tattoo, take off your shirt. I'd be standing there and I would uh, sag and he would say something, uh, say something prisony, you know. Said, okay, I'll kill all of you. Great, you know, so. <laughs> so, the, uh, so that's why we decided to, to name the documentary Inmate Number One. And it's kind of a in-depth story about my life. It goes pretty deep. I'm I'm really proud of it because uh, it's, it's it's not just the bad. It's it, it, I, I would call it redemption. You know, I would call it redemption. And it's I was if you look at it, you're gonna say it doesn't matter where you start. Where's you? It's where you end. You know, and that's that's it. And you've had an an incredible career. So when you yeah. look back on when you first started in the business, mm-hmm. and you were inmate number one. Um, you were sort of pigeon held into this uh, yeah. one role, and yeah. they'd yell at you, say something prisony. Did that ever bother you? No, no, because I, I, I got into acting because they gave me an extra fifty bucks. You know, it wasn't. I never had any any idea of being an actor. I was an extra, and the first time I heard background artist. I thought, wow, that's right. Uh, you know, I'm a background artist, okay? And then I got a, I ran into a friend of mine on a movie called Runaway Train. 
Eddie Bunker. He was Jonah in the movie Eddie Bunker. And I knew this guy from, God, 1962. I, I bought a, me and my uncle bought a robbery from him because he used to, he used to plan robberies. And, and then he'd sell them to, you know, for a piece of the action. And, uh, and he had given us this poker game to rob out here in the, in the San Fernando Valley. And, and then I met him again in San Quentin and he saw me win the lightweight and the welterweight title up there boxing. And then uh, runaway train, we ran in together. Hey, what's up, Eddie? What's up? He said, he said Daniel, are you still boxing? I go, no, no, I'm, I train on the 40 years old. You know, he said, he said, uh, we need somebody to train one of the actors how to box. And I said, what's it pay? And he said, 320 a day. And me, I said, how bad do you want this guy beat up? You know, I thought it was a hit. You know, I, mean, I wasn't making that much money a, a week. And, uh, and he said, uh, no, you got to be careful. This actor's real high strung and, and uh, they, uh, you know, he might sock you. I said, Eddie, for 320 bucks, give him a stick. I've been beat up for free. Are you kidding? And uh, they already had this one kind of pretty boy cast for this fight, right? And he was going to ask, he was going to fight Eric Roberts. Okay, Eric Roberts is, is as beautiful as, as Julia Roberts. You know, I mean, it's, it was like two pretty boys fighting. And and it was like, I, I thought it was silly. You know, I said, well, you put them in a skirt because it's like two two pretty guys fighting. And if this was the penitentiary after that, I get the winner. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. But basically, that's what it was. And, and uh, I'll never forget because Andre... Andre says, wait, wait, look. And he goes to Eric, he goes, oh. And then he goes to this other guy, he goes, oh. And then he goes to me, he goes, And he goes, contrast, contrast. He kept saying contrast, you know? So in other words, me and Eric, it was like the good fighting the bad or something. Right. You know? and, and I says, is he clowning me? I asked Eddie, is he clowning me? He goes, shut up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I got a job. As an actor, I mean, I got SAG, I got all that, right, for fighting Eric. And the fight came out awesome. Eric would do whatever I told him to do. The director, Andre Kozlowski, just fell in love with me because Eric could do whatever I told him to do. And, and uh, he didn't get along well with movie stars because, you know, movie stars are dicks. I mean, they're just, you know, they're, they're pretentious and they're, uh, how do you say it, uh, Entitled, they, they have an entitlement, you know, because especially if you grew up in the business, the business is meant to seduce you. It's meant to say, ooh, you're the best, you're the lead, ooh, ooh, ooh. And the only people that I even like are people that fight that every day. Eddie said something, he said, the whole world can think you're a movie star, but you can't. And I love people that live with that. You know, and, and I'm sure like Robert De Niro, if you call him movies, no, I, I, I'm an actor, you know, because 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 I, I remember one time we were there, there was a movies, one of the movie stars was there and, and me and Eddie and we're talking, what's what is that? What do you mean, Eddie? Watch. And and everybody was, oh, and then and then this guy left. Right. And when he left, everybody, I hate that. Punk. I'll kill him. That son of a bitch. You know, they they all like, I said, wow. I said, yeah. You know, People that are, are pretentious don't, you know, the, the studios have to put up with them. 
You know what I mean? Because that's the money. But as far as I'm concerned, the people that make the movie are the background artists, are the them second stringers. You know what I mean? Movie stars are pretty faces. So kind of like role players, you know, in sports. Yeah. It's, it's all. Well, it's... You know, but everybody in the film industry is a role player, is a typecast, is a, because like Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise as typecast as a pretty boy, uh, uh, movie star, you know what I mean? All the guys that are, they're, that are movie stars, you know, I call them pretty boys. And, and, uh, but, but that's their, their typecast is that I'm ta typecast as the tough guy, bad guy. You know, you're not going to see me like, I don't think I, I did. I did Shakespeare once, but it was kind of like a takeoff on Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> so you're. I keep saying, I keep saying well, why does this guy talk funny? That's Shakespeare. Exactly. Know? Well, there's many interpretations, but you're you're an original L.A. guy. From the start. From the yeah. start. Um, and I was watching the L.A. Originals documentary on Netflix yeah. the other day and, and saw you in it. So I wanted to ask you because obviously you you were you were shot you you know you had the, your photo taken but have you ever been tattooed by Mr. Cartoon? No, no. I, to Cartoon, I love him. I've known him as a kid, but I love him. And uh, he has a style, you know that 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 style. And my style started like before he was born. You know what I mean? And and we did it. He did it with a nice machine. We did it with a needle. And thread the each string of a guitar cut sharpened with a with a uh, thread wrapped around it, melted in a toothbrush, poke 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 poke. That was your and first what, tattoo. What you do is you get you get like big thicker lines, you know. So here's a real fun, real I my, a, a tattoo from cartoon. I'll probably get one just because he's so famous. But it's it, he's a real fine, real real sweet lines. I might get like my kid's mom or something you know, tattooed, you know, she's cool. <laughs> when was your first tattoo? When I was about 13 or 14, I think, something like that. And then when I was 15, I got this. I don't know if you see it. Yes. Echo and Jekyll. I got it done at New Pike in Long Beach. We all cut school and went down there and everybody got a tattoo, you know. Amazing. So. Really watching uh, Esteban and and cartoon in the in the documentary, and you were talking about it too. Just the LA, the LA style is a little bit different. I'm from Pittsburgh originally. I grew, up, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, and then I lived in Miami for ten years. So I've been in LA for four years. But LA culture is so influential and powerful. It really um, yeah. affects you know globally. Yes. So how, how do you feel like you've been a part of that, like born and raised in Los Angeles and had this incredible career? Well, you know, uh, I used to ride the streetcars in LA. You know, we would jump on the streetcars, ride them. Then the conductor would get off and chase us off and then he'd get back on. We'd jump back on. We used to take the, the streetcar from downtown to Long Beach, New Pike, and then bring it back and get in trouble for cutting school. And so, you know, we wrote them all over. And uh, I think growing up in Los Angeles, you become Los Angeles. You know, you become Los Angeles. And, and you don't fit anywhere else in the world. I, I love places. I've been to Cape Town, South Africa, New York. I've been to uh, Switzerland. I've been all over the world. But it's just, uh, it, it's not home. You know what I mean? It's just, 
LA, and, and, and there'll always be something wrong. Cape Town, South Africa is the most beautiful, it's unbelievable place, right? And I would almost move there if it wasn't for the wind. There's always something, <laughs> there's something. Because all of a sudden, like at 4 30, 5 o'clock, this wind comes up that's like like a hurricane because you're you're uh, right in the Indian Ocean on one side, the Atlantic Ocean, and they meet, you know. And besides that, they got like giant sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that actually. It's like big shark diving place. It's so funny, man. It's like we were there, right? We're doing a movie. I was doing a, a death race, and uh, I did death race one and then i did death race two and then i did a uh uh from dust to dawn two and three in, in cape town right and uh and everybody oh come on we're gonna go cage diving what are you talking about yeah we're gonna get in this cage and we're gonna like feed shark i says wait a minute so you mean we're gonna go in a cage and we're gonna tease giant sharks <laughs> i said you know what not the way i want to die you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then, and then I saw the cage. The cage had all kinds of dents in it. You know, hell no! You know, I just not for me. You know, what I mean, I'm not a thrill seeker. No, not at all. Uh, which is funny because you're much considered a tough guy, but I, I'm with you. I'm not. You know what? Because that's the shark's hood. You don't just yeah, go to everybody's exactly, hood. Exactly. I don't need to I'm be in the shark's hood. I'm, I'm food. Do you understand? <laughs> in their neighborhood, I'm food, and it's so funny. When you're on top of a hill and you're looking down at the beach and you see a shark, looks like a submarine. Okay, <laughs> it's been, well, what's the difference? And so now nah, you, you, oh, it only weighs a thousand pounds or fifteen hundred pounds. Really. That's fine. Yeah, like I weigh a little over a hundred pounds. So what am I gonna do? <laughs> so LA is home for you, and you are you are a big Rams fan, right? Yeah, uh, Rams. Well, you gotta understand. Like I'm I'm a Los Angeles fan. Like, okay. Rams, Clippers, Chargers, you know, uh, Lakers, they're all mine. You know, they're all mine. You know what I mean? But but basically, I used to sneak in to the Coliseum in 1957, 56, when the Rams were here, you know, and we used to sneak in. And it was really easy because you would just, like, wait by the bathroom and then walk in with a family and so, oh, look at that white family adopted that little Mexican kid. Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm with them. You know? Right. Just blended. Uh, I, I loved them. I loved the Rams, you know. Yeah. So were you disappointed in their their Super Bowl loss? That was kind of rough. Yeah, but, but then I was kind of saying, well, wait a minute. These, these guys just moved to L.A. three years, and it's like, you know, they're in the Super Bowl, and they're playing against one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. You know what I mean, and uh, and they held them to three points. You know this this whole this whole this whole game one mistake, but you can't make a mistake you know, with, that, with that guy. You know? Um. So obviously, a big change over the past couple of years to LA sports was LeBron coming here. Yeah. So are you a are you a LeBron fan? I. You know what? You don't tell anybody. I gave. I was in Miami when he was in Miami, and I was in a hotel. And I think it was his mom. I was smoking. That was when I used to smoke. And I was smoking. And this little lady comes out, right? And she's a little bit. And she do you have a cigarette? And I go, yeah. And I give her a cigarette. And uh, she's, we were smoking a cigarette outside. And she, and she goes, okay, I can't let my son see. And I'm like, who's your son? She says, uh, LeBron. She almost grabbed him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want that guy to know I gave you a cigarette. But 
what she was smoking a cigarette and and then he came and pulled up and walked in the hotel big just a beautiful man you know he's like it's like to see you know when you see a tall guy that big yeah and and you watch him move like a ballerina you know god touched him you know it's not like it's not i don't know how to say it you know it's not like like uh I trained myself to, no, 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 God touched you, Holmes. You know what I mean? Because I know a lot of tall guys that will trip over their own feet. You know what I mean? But, but uh, so it's beautiful to see. So do you think he has sort of become a part of the Lakers now? Because, you know, Lakers have some legends. Hey, hey, hey he, I think he started to think he's Mexican because he's like, hey, we're having Taco Tuesday at my house. <laughs> So you don't have a problem with LeBron's Taco Tuesday? No, hell no. I'm gonna take my taco truck up there. I know. Okay, so you are you have Treo's Tacos, you have Treo's Cantina, right? Coffee and donuts, and now you have a taco truck. I started a Treo's Music. I started a record label. Everything good that has happened to me has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. This little girl wanted to sing, and I knew her mom, and I said, "Oh, wait a minute." So just jokingly, I started this record label, and uh, we're getting we dropped a, an album called Chicano Soul Shop Volume One, and uh, it's with Baby Bash, Chiki Rivera, uh, and uh, Tara New, and that's my artist. And then uh, uh, Tara and Baby Bash just dropped a single called Satisfy My Soul. Oh, it's unbelievable, man! Tara wrote it; she's awesome, and uh, and we've been having a a lot of fun. And we also got. Trail beer. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, so Trejo Mexican Lager, right? Yes. So you just got, what made you want to get into the food business? Well, you know what? My, me and my mom always joked about having a restaurant. She was a great cook. But my dad was like the Mexican Archie Bunker. And in the 50s, women didn't work. Don't write, don't write. I, that's not my. No, uh, no, I, we, we know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, basically, in the 50s, especially latino women they were married to a house you know that they were married to a house the husband just came along with it and uh and uh uh every time we would talk my dad would be go, hey, hey hey i got a kitchen right there go cook whatever the hell you want okay you know, I mean, just literally you know and in fact my dad came from five brothers and if your wife worked and all the family was together it was so funny you, they go Art, you want to be, oh no, hey, wait, hold on. Hey, Bonnie, can I have a beer? You know, cause, cause she uh, was working. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was like, it was brutal, you know what I mean? So that's the way I grew up. So I was just, you know, joking always about the, the things that pissed my dad off uh, about the restaurant. And so I did a film called Badass and everything good that has happened to me has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. It was a favor because they had an ultra low budget which means They'll buy me a sandwich, you know, no, no budget really right. on, you're doing it as a favor. They're paying your gas or something. And so, so I did it. I want to say I did, but my, my agent, Gloria, right? Brilliant woman. She, uh, she said, not a bad idea, Dan. Said, yeah, but this is more money. Said, I know, I know, but this might turn into something really good. So badass turned into a trilogy of three movies. And, and, and I met this producer, Ash Shaw that saw that I eat good food. I like good food. I won't eat fast food. And when the, a lot of times on a low budget movie, they'll be, you know, the five pizzas are coming, you know right. what I mean? 
And so I, I would always bring my own lunch and just eat, eat a, a healthy, a healthy meal. You know, and, uh, and he said, Danny, why don't you open a restaurant? Boom. My mom, Trejo's Tacos. I'm joking, right? Trejo's Tacos. Two movies later, Badass, Badass 2 and Badass on the Bayou. He brings me a business plan and he says, Dan, uh, would you really check this out? And so me being the brilliant businessman that I am, I gave it to my agent, Gloria, and said, you know what, check this out. And uh, she came back with us, not a bad idea. Let's 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 go with this. So we opened up Trejo's Tacos on La Brea. And then from there, that did it, that hit it. And then we opened up Trejo's Cantina. We have eight restaurants. We have one with the puck guy in the airport. We have a donut shop. And uh, we have, uh, we're opening up, as soon as this is over, we're gonna go open one in Denver. And then I think New York is after that. And then San Antonio, Texas wants us, Vegas and uh, Hawaii. That's amazing. And you have the cookbook also. Yeah, right here. <laughs> it's like uh, all the recipes, it's, all the recipes are that uh, are in, in the restaurant are here. And. Uh, I just, you know, I, it doesn't, you can order whatever you want. Everything's good and we'll cook it the way you want it. And that's, that's what I love about my staff. My staff don't know how to say no. Could you do, sure, you know, I just, we'll do it, you know, and. <laughs> well, I love tacos. It's my favorite food. So, uh, and I'm in LA, so I'm going to, I'm going to go check it out. And I've heard amazing things about coffees and donuts. Uh, oh, that's donut uh, some too, of the best so. donuts. We have a pineapple fritter. All right, pineapple. Oh, don't, please, don't eat more than two. You'll need rehab. Honest <laughs> God, it's like, but you, it's like they won't. They'll say, "Danny, take one." That's it. That's all you I'm telling you, it's like they're delicious, and uh, I, I love them. And I also I sponsor this little fighter named Sanisa Estrada, and uh, she needed some help going down to Mexico because uh, uh, she was fighting for the WBC, right? And uh, she had to like pay her way dollars. I, I said, well, you know, here, I sponsored her. She wears my logo on, on her on shorts. Her shorts. It's so funny because when, when she took off her robe in Mexico, everybody started saying, Trejo, Trejo, like, like I was fighting. Right? And because they saw the logo. And so she won the WBC. She's 108 pounds. She, boxing gloves don't weigh that much, you know, but she's, she's 108 pounds. And she won the WBC. Then on the Canelo undercard, her and this little girl from Venezuela stole the show. She won the WBA. And uh, and the, her last three fights, four fights, the her opponent has sat on the stool, couldn't come out for the next round. That's I mean, amazing. Got her body shots, body shots. <laughs> oh, the body. And, uh, and so... Uh, as soon as it's over, she'll be fighting in LA for uh, the, the the WBA again, and and uh, she's amazing, man. Look her up, Sadis Estrada. She's with Golden Boy, and uh, it was funny because because I think Golden Boy was kind of shining her on for young girl, you know, and uh, and uh, but now they can't, they they have to, they can't. I've, I've publicized her so much. Can't and, deny her. Uh, it's funny her story. Her dad came out of the pen, right, and uh, he's one of us, and. Uh, and uh, he was training the boys how to box, training the boys, you know, and, and her two brothers. And, and she kept, she had to go to the gym. He was a single, no, no you can't go, it's for boys. You know, this is for men fight, you know. And she bothered him enough to where he got this 11-year-old kid and said, look, I don't want you to hurt her, but I, I want to teach her she don't want to box, okay? And 
beat the shit out of this kid <laughs> and and beat him up, but not boxing, just you know, just just fighting, right. you know. And, and but but that's what you gotta have. You gotta have that heart. I I I'm sorry. I call it Floyd Mayweather heart. You gotta have that heart. You gotta. I'm gonna win. And they were pulling her off, and she's trying to kick him in. <laughs> and so, because it's a fight when she can. And uh, okay, so he started training her. And she WBC WBA, and she's amazing. I I've uh, I'm, I think I'm gonna do her story, her life story, because it sounds amazing. Oh, she's awesome. She's a great little fighter too. I love boxing. I think it's such a it's such a pure, like poetic yes. sport. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ali and Tyson is actually training. I don't know if you saw this. He's training to come back. Yeah. So you think he could, you think he got another fight in him because he's yeah, he's saying yeah, he's coming back. Him, I, think, I honestly believe I think him and. Uh, uh, oh God! Evander Holyfield is talking about it too. I think him and Holyfield are gonna are gonna come out of retirement and fight one more time. It's be a huge payday for them, and uh, it'll kind of uh, redeem both of them. It'll, it'll be nostalgic. I'm gonna watch it for sure. Oh, I'm, I'll pay to watch it, and and uh, and it's funny because because Holyfield is known for headbutt, and Tyson is known for biting. So <laughs> so. So you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a great redeeming fight for both of them, and that was their mark on 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 boxing, and and uh, I love them both, you know, and I think uh, anybody anybody that gets into that ring is is has my you know uh, everything because it's like because it's a it's just, I, I, MMA I don't I don't really I don't really like MMA I, I watch it you know and, and uh, certain fighters I love you know. Uh, Nate Diaz, I love the Diaz brothers, and and uh, but uh, there's too many. I don't know, too much grap grappling. Yeah, it can, I see. Just if you're a pure boxing guy, it's kind of hard because it it, it yeah. can slow it down the fight a little bit when you get down to wrestling. Yeah, well, and then and then it's like it's weird. It's like uh, uh, when I was in the pen, there was two guys in their cell, and uh, the cops came by. And said, hey, what are you doing? Is it? Uh, we're uh, grappling, and they. Get dressed and come on, you go to the hole for grappling. You know? Okay, so, so you, I guess you're looking at it a little differently then. It's, I don't, you know, I like, I like, I love the science of boxing. Yes, it's a sweet science. That's what they call it. So, and I gotta say, Floyd Mayweather, one of the best ever. Oh ever. yeah. He's. It's hard to argue. He's not. You know. He's. He's one. I mean. I think boxing gets sort of into the preference of what kind of style you like. Because exactly. a lot of people think that Mayweather's style is a little bit boring because he's such a great defensive fighter. He's a boxer and boxer and fighter. Two different. Two different. Completely. Do you understand? Completely. And uh, and it's like Mayweather is playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. You know, it's like it's a big difference, and it's funny. I love when he fought uh, McGowry. McGow what was that guy? McGregor. McGregor. Yeah, uh, it was like, duh. You know, I mean, come on. It's like it was almost silly. You know, from the fourth round, from the fourth round, Mayweather was getting a workout. That's all. That's all. And if that referee wouldn't have stopped, I think the referee was paid not to let anybody go down because. 
two more punches and, and McGregor would have been out. He would have been out. They would have carried him out. I thought it ended up being a better fight than people anticipated. Maybe, oh, yeah. oh, maybe no, no, because no. Mayweather let it kind of... Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. I, I think Mayweather could have knocked him out anytime after the fourth round. Well, once again, uh, thank you so much for stopping by. It's like really special to me. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for like months. I'm like, what is that to Danny Trail? So your your documentary, Inmate Number One, comes out. Where can people see it? All streaming platforms. Okay, so Inmate Number One will be on all streaming platforms, and it comes out July seventh. July seventh. Okay, so very soon. That's uh-huh. so exciting. I can't wait to watch it. Thank you so much. And. Don't forget you, your family, Trails Cantina on me when you get when this is over with. I can't listen. I'm gonna eat you out of the uh, out of business. Awesome. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much, Danny. It's such a pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. With it. With it. We about to turn up in this bitch. All right, what up, Heller? How's it going? Good, Joy. How are you? Good. Sweet shirt. Thank you. I bought this for uh, $4.97, no sales tax in Billings, Montana at a Walmart. Were so, you trying to blend in with something? Uh, you, I'm surprised you could see me at all. Um, I'm, I'm going hunting later, actually, because um, I'm wearing hunting camo. No, I'm not. I would never uh, do that. I would uh, never do that. You're not uh, a hunter? I'm, no, I'm a, I'm a city slicker for sure. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a huntress myself. Um, <laughs> in the literal sense. Uh, hunting. Um, I have hunted before oh, really? in the literal sense, but not actually, should I say in the literal sense? I've never, have I shot an animal? I don't think so. I feel confident saying I haven't done that. I know I haven't. Ooh, never mind. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, you know, the gun in the air rifle in a Christmas story. Yeah. I owned one of those slash still have it. And I once dome pieced a squirrel. And uh, it bounced right off. Uh, I mean, he was definitely concussed, but it, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel. It didn't feel nice. It was a perfect shot, and it didn't feel nice. I've been to a lot of uh, camps growing up, so I feel like it would not. It would be disingenuous of me to say that I have not ever ended an animal's life. <laughs> camps slash serial killer training. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like we should cut all of this out. <laughs> Or leave it, whatever. We'll see, it. <laughs> see how it sounds to Donnie. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway. So what's up, Heller? Uh, what do we got in order to quit it today? All sorts of good and totally normal stuff. Um, things started to look up a little bit this weekend, Joy. Live sports were on TV, and Twitter was abuzz with athletes and gamblers alike trying to get a little taste of that action. Uh, horse was I. The last dance kept us going, but the match was the best sporting event of the pandemic, with it or quit it. With it, for sure. Uh, I guess the the last dance can't technically qualify as a sporting event. If there's no sports in it and you haven't seen some of that footage. It falls into that close. space. I close. love the last dance. It, it moved me emotionally. But, yeah, the match was awesome. And the viewership clearly reflects that was some good television. It doubled the numbers of Tiger Woods last uh, tournament win. Oh, major? The yeah, Masters? They doubled the Masters? It doubled it. Doubled it. So, yeah. So, people liked it. And here's the, the weird okay. thing about it. And this is the conclusion that I've come to. So, golf 
obviously is kind of an exclusive sport, right? It's not for everybody. I have never, so. never yeah. golfed. I've been on golf courses, but I've never golfed. Uh, I didn't grow up playing golf. It's mostly a, a, a rich person's sport. Um, that's not news to anyone. Golf is nope. expensive and it's not something that's very, very exclusive. You can't just walk on a course and start playing. It's not the park, you know, nope. um, there's no, you know, there's no earning of your spot on right. the golf course, you know, you can't play your way in, you got to buy your way in. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it is what it is. And it, it's True. like, it, it's a, it's a beloved pastime of people that can play golf. But there is an exclusivity to it. And when it comes to watching golf on television, if you don't really know golf or love golf, right. yeah, it's not the most thrilling watch. Nope. But this was brilliant. It was brilliantly produced. Now, obviously, it had some flexible rules. And you have the two of the greatest golfers of all time in Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson's Cavs. And then you have, <laughs> um, <laughs> you have Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Tom Brady playing terribly and then completely redeeming himself with that amazing shot. I mean, come on, it turned the whole momentum of the match Oh, it was, it was an incredible moment. Take a suck of that, Chuck. It's a brilliant line that I've, I've never even thought to put that combination of words together. However, now in the future, I will be telling people to take a suck of it always, because it's, yeah, it's brilliant. I love this new Tom Brady, by the way. He is an, he's a villain. He's, he's a straight up villain. He's now. a tans pirate <laughs> and I'm here for it. He's spending a lot of time out in that Florida sun. I mean, how, how tan is he? Though. How he was, tan is he? What is more impressive? Tom Brady's tan or Phil Mickelson's calves? Um, I would say Phil Mickelson's calves because I could understand how one would get that tan, but I don't understand how one would get calves that could cut other things because they're so sharp. There's so many lines and I have oh, amazing God. calf muscles. Like, I have, the, of all the things about myself that I have full, utter confidence in, calf muscles, unquestioned. I, since a baby, since just a wee one, I had those little rocks on the back of my face. So it Can't is- Can't them baby boulders. Yes. So I was one, you know, you know, babies always walk on their toes all, all yeah. goofy, like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I digress. The point is yeah. letting all of us behind the, the velvet rope, if you will, of golf, yeah made it not only completely compelling, it felt relatable. Like you felt like you were an actual part of yep. the match. You felt like you were there. They, they explained things brilliantly. So if you were just a casual fan, you could understand what was going on. You had the talking with, with Charles Barkley, who is one of the greatest broadcasters in the history of the existence of broadcasting. He should be on everything that needs to be called, period, when it comes to sporting events. He just, he brings an element of excellence that just really cannot be calculated to everything that he is a part of when it comes to broadcasting. He might, he might be the most self-effacing person in the world. Like as much as Michael Jordan wants to win, Charles Barkley wants you to shit on him. He, he just, he just has a way of, of like timing the, the shit talking to absolute perfection. And then he's totally okay with making fun of himself. He's, Which is the most important thing. He, he's just brilliant. The whole thing was so well done. And it is reflected in the numbers that people enjoyed it. Golf is truly, truly out of its collective golf mind. If they do not implement at least half of what we saw in that broadcast. Well, having they, people being interviewed before they tee off. Having the golf cart being mic'd up. 
it, I mean, all of it was just so well done, and it was the so cart driving shot. Seeing Tom Brady or a Peyton whip the cart and talk to themselves about their shot, amazing, amazing. It's so many little things. There were so many little things that made it so great, and I understand the subjects obviously matter. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning talking shit to each other, you can't duplicate that with everybody. Nope. Having Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods there, you can't duplicate that with everyone. However, golfers are very well-traveled men, you know, yep. and women. Uh, but we mostly follow men. So like they've got they've got a lot going on. They clearly talk to each other like any other athletes. What it made me feel, honestly, for like the very first time was, oh, this is this is actually a sport that played on the professional level. Obviously, we all know how it goes on yep. the amateur level. You're drinking beers, you're doing nonsense, mm -hmm. you've got Hooters tournaments and whatever. On the professional level, right, right. where this is like air of excellence, that there's actual relatability to it. So they, they've got to implement some of the things that we saw in the broadcast this weekend. I thought it was so well done. It was so entertaining. It, the whole thing was just great. And, and again, viewers clearly showed that they enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was an improvement upon the product of golf on television. And uh, for me, as someone who, you know, as you could probably stereotype, played golf growing up, is very good at golf. Uh, it's also I'm also very ashamed because it is so uh, elitist. And so it's just over the top. Everything, every stereotype about rich people is true on the golf course and true at the golf club. However, it's. I really enjoyed it. My girlfriend, Emily, really enjoyed it. Phil Mickelson explaining how he's hitting his chips was incredible. Then to flip that over and see Tiger and Peyton actually be a better team and Tom sort of not, Phil give Tom too much information, right? We love the information Phil gave us on the explanation, but then when he's trying to tell Tom what to do, it's over the top. So I, I thought it was all amazing. And if they don't have another one, like in two weekends, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like you could run uh, Brooks Kepka and Michael Jordan against uh, Dustin Johnson and Steph Curry tomorrow and I would watch it. Holy goodness. This thing's already set up. Just wipe down all the equipment and run it back. Like, it's I mean, perfect. They should a hundred percent do that. Everyone is stopping what they're doing to watch that. It's, it would be, it would be absolutely brilliant. I'm with you. It, it, it's, you, get a, you get a bracket of eight or 16. Some of the teams are going to be a little more interesting than others, but wow. I, I mean, it was, it was awesome. So I think like, I don't know if go golf, obviously, to your point, has to institute some of the things that they found out were great out there. But like, they also might need to like start a new league because this was. Well, that's the thing about it. Like, it didn't even matter that they weren't actually winning anything. It was all for charity. And usually, exhibition stuff. We're like, eh, okay. Like, that's obviously it's wonderful that they're raising money for charity. But the competition part of it is not right. that right. incredibly stimulating. But it was because we know the two of them. Phil and Tiger obviously want to win. This is what they do. Yep. And Peyton and, and and Tom do not, either one of them walk away as the loser or look crazy. So I, I loved it. Plus also Tom Brady splitting his pants was just like, you know. This new Tom is incredible. I am so excited for Tom Brady and, and Tampa he's, Bay. He's the, he's the drunk guy that splits his pants now. Like he, this is a full character change. This is amazing. It's amazing. Um, all right, Joy, would you say that you're more of a lubricator or more of an agitator? Uh, I, I would I would have to objectively say that I'm an agitator, yes. But you're clearly both, obviously, because I'm, I'm making a reference to something Colin said 
on your show today that I, I found fascinating. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna apply it to Cam Newton here because I think that Cam Newton's talent and enthusiasm is a lubricator, but most people apparently seem to find him to be more of an agitator because with roughly 100 days until the scheduled start of the live professional football season, Cam Newton remains jobless. It's a travesty. Cam deserves a job as a starter for starters money. Joy, Roger Goodell should collude with an owner to get Cam Newton a job, win it or quit it. Uh, I'm gonna quit it and stay no away. Collusion from, for the Raj? And stay away from the colluding thing altogether. But that's probably good advice. That's probably good advice. I. He needs a job, Joy. He, I want to watch him play football. I There's do want to watch Cam Newton play football. In my eyeballs. Colin, actually, speaking of Colin, made a pretty good point about Arizona. Arizona is another place that could probably use a really solid backup. Kyler Murray has taken some pretty big big hits. Here's the thing. I think that Cam Newton is a starter in this league. I think he deserves to be a starter. I think he deserves to be paid as a starter. However, However, you can be... Two things at once. You can be in a bad situation as for or three things at once. That actually coming off of a surgery and yeah. not being evaluated by teams, which yeah. to be honest with you, they could find a way around that. They could put him on a private plane and get him there and evaluate him and send him back. Like we, we all check the tape. He's playing volleyball on sand with a with a, recovering from a Liz Frank. He's back. He's back, but they could find a way to evaluate him. But let's say that's one thing that's keeping teams from from doing okay. that, right? Then yep. you have the fact that he is, so he's coming off of injury, and then yep. he is dealing with all of the reputation stuff, okay? Reputation stuff? It is. It is what it is, okay? I didn't make it up. I didn't support that, so, right? But it is what it is. I've... And you have a saturated market, okay, where there really are no more starting jobs available everybody has their guy so we're now into the backup situations some, some teams, of those people are wrong though but you go on okay but they have that's what they're doing they made their decision they're sticking to it and some yeah. of them already have very strong backups some have money situations and also some may not have a, a, a solid enough starter to bring in someone like cam newton because it will create friction in the locker room and confuse fans and all kinds of other things so there's some politics involved all of those things can be true, and he can also still be a starting level talents in the league. Multiple things can be true, and yep. all can be working together, leading to the reality that he does not have a job right now. I personally feel like he can still play football at a high level. I think he's going Absolutely. to have some years left in the league where he's successful and shuts everyone up. But I yep. also firmly am in the camp right now that if he wants to be on a team before the season starts, he's going to have to take a backup role. It's going to be a delayed start in some capacity, right? Even if it's just them getting into camp right. because of everything that's going on. I think the season will still start on time, but there is going to be some things that are delayed. So he's betting on, at this point, someone having a major injury because no one else can bring him in as a starter. So you're, you're betting on a, a starter having a major injury. So you could go into the season. That could happen, right? But what if that happens on the Raiders? Well, they've got Marcus Mariota. Or what if that happens to the Saints? Well, they've got Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So th- th- there, there are a lot of situations where there's uh, there's great backup situations already in place. Like if that happens in Miami, they're not bringing him in. They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. So it's it, wow. none of the, it doesn't matter wow. if Cam Newton is better than these guys. It doesn't matter. They're not better than dis- all of them. It doesn't matter. They're not going to disrupt the locker room. They're not. They might not be able to pay him. We are still in a salary cap league, so it's not like you can just 
just, oh, like bring him in, pay him whatever you want. So you have to consider those things and how the team is set up and the salary cap situation. So every situation doesn't work. That's why I, I, I do agree with Colin. The Arizona thing is interesting if something happens to Kyler Murray. But again, the Steelers are the place that he needs to be. It's fine. It's okay sometimes in your career to take yourself into a space where you are still involved. Like if you're in our business, for example, it's way better to be in a job that isn't necessarily great and look for another job. What's not ideal is to not have a job and be looking for a job. Speaking of our industry, I have an idea. Color commentator Fox Sports this season, Cam Newton. He, they tried to get Romo back after one year. They'll get him too. That that that's a good use of time. I have another theory, a little less likely. But why don't we start a new franchise? If oh. we start a new franchise and make him the quarterback, that, like we would have the fifteenth best quarterback. Our franchise would have the fifteenth best quarterback at least if we just started a, a franchise and made him the quarterback. We'll fill in the rest of the pieces. With like D three guys, it doesn't matter. But I mean, I want to watch him play football, Joy. I don't understand. I everything you said made sense, but uh, my eyeballs and my brain still tell me like I'm thinking about making a hype video because I want to watch him play, and I would get to watch clips to make it. Like I, I, don't, I, I don't. I absolutely do. do too, and I think he will play this season. I just think he's going to play as a backup, and I don't think that's the worst thing for Cam at this point. I think it's actually better for him long term to be on a squad this year, even if it is a backup situation show the whole world that you're not whatever this narrative is about you and don't make it into a pride thing it's not a pride thing at this point the market is saturated it can be two things can be true right it can be wrong and it can also be reality and that's what it is and sometimes you just gotta you have to do it you gotta make it happen by the way what is this very interesting picture of you in the sweater is that you oh this yep this is me and my older brother brooke um let's see if there's a year i don't know exactly what year it is i'm probably let's say three or four with the same size head that I have today. That is a, uh, why did our parents do that to us with the sweaters? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's not a good sweater. I do like the uh, little Oxford collar shirt underneath there though. I don't hate that vibe. Yeah, it's, not, but, it's, it's, a, it's a good look overall. It's not the worst baby picture yeah. actually, but. Uh, this is just reminding me I need a haircut so badly. Uh, Olin Mills, right? Like where would all our memories be without Olin Mills? Oh my God! Did you see that it said Olin Mills, or yeah. did you just know that off top? No, but I knew it was. I knew it was. You can oh. tell by the style of the picture. Update: This is from 1989. I was two years old in this picture. Hey, that's a big old two-year-old right there. That is a big two-year-old. Damn, you were two years old there. Yeah, don't I look like myself already? You do. You look four at least. <laughs> you look like you pay taxes. Yep, and that's in that. A smart collar, I sure do. That's amazing. I have some horrible um, sweater pictures. Uh, okay, so what do you, should we call our franchise the sweaters? Like, how do yeah, we... let's go half on a. a I, I've been meaning to start an, an NFL franchise. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, with all this time in quarantine, the, let's get working uh, on it. The Studio City sweaters. Let's go. What up, Donnie? How's it going? How's quarantine? It's going, it's going. I'm uh, I'm staying sane, I believe. I think so. I think I'm sane. I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I mean, I feel like, you know, we're getting we're getting to the finish line here. We're almost there. Yeah, yeah. We can see the 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 light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there. Hopefully. It's so close. Uh, what's going on high key Loki this week? All right, high key after a Heisman worthy season, Joe Burrow is going from top of the world to the bottom of the AFC North. 
Low-key, Carson Palmer's been there, done that, and he's got some words of wisdom for the young Bengal. Yeah, Carson Palmer basically said it's going to be rough for him, and he's not lying. Carson Palmer didn't have to play his rookie season, um, and he still he still got tore up in Cincinnati. Still struggled. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And for the most part, most people that talk about Carson Palmer really speak of him very glowingly, like that he had this like otherworldly, extreme talent, and... Yeah, he couldn't overcome the Bengals. Now, you know, I don't want to compare Joe Burrow to Michael Jordan, but, <laughs> but, but you know, we have seen instances where teams have been turned around, where the culture's been turned around. I mean, Michael Jordan came into the Bulls. Bulls were a disaster. They were a traveling cocaine circus. Yeah. And, you know, the Saints used to be a horrible organization. Now they're top of the league every single year. It just takes the right combination of coach and quarterback and and I do think it is on the ownership to like bring in the right pieces and spend money on the things you need to spend money on. Yeah. So, you know, as far as that goes, I don't know, is is Bengals ownership and culture really going to turn around because of Joe Burrow? I hope so. I mean, eventually it has to, right? Like it can't go on like this forever. I mean, it can it? I mean, the Browns have pretty successfully shown us that it can. But exactly. They used to have success, and now they're a disaster. Cincinnati's kind of just always been what they are. They've had moments, of course, but I know every time I talk about Cincinnati, they're like, we've been in the playoffs. Hey, when's the last time the Dolphins been in the playoffs? It's like, okay, I'm not saying the Dolphins aren't a dysfunctional organization for many, many years either. What I am saying is nobody cares about making the playoffs. That's not the goal, bruh. Like, the idea yeah. is that you are a perennial championship contender, not a perennial playoff team. That's not what we're aspiring to here. So do I hope he can turn it around? Yes. Do I have my extreme doubts? Yes. Do I still want to be right about Joe Burrow? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen in Cincinnati? I don't know. I really have to wait and see, not this year, but how next year goes. This year, I think it's going to be up against every rookie, young quarterback, young coach, new coach situation is going to be really rough for any team this year. The veteran yeah. teams are the ones to bet on this year. They know how to train. Many of them have already gone through something similar to this in the 2011 lockout, which obviously they could still go and work out in facilities, but most most guys are doing that anyway. So like that's not that's not really any different. And the, and in the lockout, the coaches couldn't talk to the players. So at least in this situation, they can still communicate. Just communicating, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be on the veteran teams this year, but I don't think that this is the year to evaluate what Joe Burrow is going to be or become. Right, you're going to have to grade this year on a curve and on a mega curve yeah. because of what's going on. Be or become is like, is I guess, the same thing. Is it? I don't know. Uh, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> High key, Mike Tyson is 53 years old and hasn't fought professionally in 15 years. Loki, who cares? Have you seen this man's speed on Instagram? Iron Mike is back like he never left. Oh my God. Woo. Listen, it's not even like the speed. It's just like he's got that, he's got the whole thing with the hips and the trunk. Like Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's big. He's big in the speed. The combination of all those things is it, terrifying. It sends chills. I, I cannot wait for this. Uh, I talked to Danny Trejo about it. He thinks he can still get one in. Um, I, I, I'm going to watch this. So it, it, it's been rumored about uh, he, he might fight Evander Holyfield, um, Shannon Briggs. Shout out Shannon Briggs. Let's go champ. Tito Ortiz. Like there might be a couple fights 
that we're gonna see. And listen, 54 is the new 44. So I'm 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 here for it. You know, you can turn things around in your body very quickly with proper nutrition. We've got yep. all this space age stuff now. He looks good. Mm -hmm. And listen, I don't think he's gonna be like a 12 round, you know, elite situation, but Mike still has he's you know, the hangover. He's still got it. Yeah, he's got it. He, he never left. He's still got it. So I'm definitely going to watch. All right. High key, the Jets have a decision to make on Jamal Adams. Low key, it looks like the current decision might actually be to hold off on making a decision. Is that a smart move? Yeah, I think they're trying to wait right now. And hopefully Jamal Adams, I mean, I know he wants his money. And look, I'm not telling anybody how to make their money or anything like that. But I do think Jamal Adams could be one of those franchise guys that the Jets need. Yeah, I think it's actually smarter for them to hang on to Jamal Adams. I don't like every time a player that's not necessarily a quarterback or, you know, defensive lineman comes up for their money. And it's like, uh, you know, let's just get some, you know, some trade pieces, let's get a couple of draft, draft picks. And, you know, we just yeah. can't afford to pay him. Like, this is an all-time talent in Jamal Adams. He's a playmaker. He's a disruptor. You need talent like that if you want to win championships. And I understand you have to pay them, and I understand you need to protect Sam Darnold, but you have a decent amount of offensive firepower right now. Take advantage of that. Figure yes. out what you need to do for next year. You're going to have a full year with Sam Darnold. I think that they should extend him and give him his money because I think those are the type of players that you need to build around. I love Le'Veon Bell as well, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep Le'Veon for the price, and I don't know that he necessarily fits with Adam Gaze. So I think you'll have some success somewhere else. But Jamal Adams needs to stay in New York. Hopefully they can sort it out. But if not, it would be very interesting if the Cowboys could scoop him. Now that's kind of like, you know, being dismissed. But, you know, we've heard a few themes. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> All right, high key. This time last year, Jared Stidham was a relative unknown. Low-key, he may stay that way, according to Rob Nikovich. It might be Brian Hoyer time. Whew. I mean, the Patriots as a whole are just such a disaster this year. And I, I don't care, like, put it on cold takes, whatever. I do not see it. I don't know, like, why it's such a weird thing. I don't know. Players are scared to say it. Media is scared to say it. I don't think they're going to be good this year. I don't, I don't, I don't see the, the talent level that they need to be at to have all the, like, Fox Bet has Bill Belichick favored to be coach of the year, fam. He's With earned who? the benefit of the doubt. He's earned that benefit of the doubt. Has he? For us I to think be so. insane? He's, he's earned right for us to be crazy town? It's crazy town. <laughs> and I love a good amount of crazy, obviously. But this is, this is insanity. It's just gibberish. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Brian Hoyer? Ooh, ooh. Listen, the, uh, fact yeah. that, the fact that Nikovich thinks that Brian Hoyer is better than Jarrett Stidham should send chills down Patriots fans' spines. And no disrespect to Brian Hoyer, but come on, what are we talking about here? This is all we're watching an unfinished painting. It's like we're we're watching uh what's that uh Bob yeah, Ross. Ron, Ron, Bob Ross. We're at the beginning. We haven't seen him put the like make the happy trees happy in the mountains. Trees. We haven't well, gotten to that point yet. There's no it's, mistakes. We're just gonna turn that into a nice bush. Yes, this bush is named Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we, we got to wait and see. He's I'm not waiting to see. I, I can see the future. It's bleak for the Patriots this, this year. I think they have a plan, but this year it's not happening. Hi, T. What's going on? Hi. What's how much? How are you? Just chilling. You know, I'm at, I'm at home. 
Uh, what's going on in the culture report this week? All right, so Savage Remix is number one on One Hot 100. Megan Thee Stallion posted that she's number one for the first time ever. And I mean, of course, it's like, why not? I mean, it's such a great song. I still play it every day. I, I mean, love I, it. It sounds, I feel like. It's like my theme song for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> but the remixes. That's our anthem. I love the original, but the remix is just, it's so fire. I'm so, I love this yeah. collaboration too. Texas all day. You actually taught me the Savage uh, TikTok. <laughs> I, don't I know did. If, I don't know if you saw on my Instagram the other day, me and Col yesterday, me and Colin were talking about TikTok. And I was like, I'm not cool enough for TikTok. Like, I can't. I can't do the... Okay, so you can <laughs> confirm because you taught me how to do it. And I am like, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I forget after that. Joy, you had it. Okay, that's it. That's all I got, though. And it took so long to do it. That's so it. you can confirm TikTok's probably not for me. I still can't learn the remix. I, I just, I give up with that. It's too it's, complicated. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, next, HBO Max uh, is a new platform that launched on May 27. This platform is a bundle of HBO movies, shows, and Max originals. And they got this limited time offer for $11.99 a month. But I'm hyped because I have HBO now. So that means I get HBO Max for free 99 So super excited about that. And you know I love a good movie and TV shows. So um, I know that the content is going to be crazy, especially with them merging the two. So now I just won't ever leave the house. <laughs> Joy, do you plan on getting HBO Max? Well, I already have HBO. So that, so I get HBO Max anyway? Yeah, if you have uh, HBO now, yeah. Winning. Okay, so well, you know I have to have HBO because I have to watch Insecure. So, right. you know, so we already got that. Right. Okay, that's great. So more content. We love that. You, though, are a show watching problem. So, are you going to be okay? Because we have to check on T sometimes. Because once she gets into a show, she will literally watch the entire show. Like, I'm talking about seasons in a row. Seasons. Yeah. I've been getting better, though. Moderation is key. Good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, next, there's not like many award or like red carpet events that I feel like I need to see. But Joy, for me, the Met Gala is definitely one of them. It's for fundraising, so it's for a good cause. So I'm actually bummed that it's canceled this year, although I understand why. But this year would have been like Vogue inspired. So I was looking forward to seeing Rihanna, you know, Zendaya, Cardi B, just to name a few. And I feel like that Rihanna, I don't see her often, but I feel like Met Gala is one of those events that she usually attends. So kind of sad about that. But I know we'll pick up next year. Of course, there's no word on the date. But what are your thoughts about the Met Gala and do you usually watch it? Um, I do love the Met Gala. It's one of those, I, I'm like, I'm not a huge red carpet person, but like the Oscars <laughs> are one of those red carpet events that I always watch. <laughs> yep. And uh, like I usually watch the Emmys and sometimes like one other like the SAG Awards or something like that. But the Met Gala is something like you have to to see because people see, go yeah. all out for whatever the theme is theme last year was was the theme last year like the robot stuff was that last year or was that camp oh um i don't remember i was can't remember if robot? it was I, I can't remember if it was camp last year or if it was like the it was like remember everyone had on like the robot stuff um i can't remember which one it was yeah because then day i had the short 
cut. Yeah. I, I think last was year was I think camp. Even Remember Kylie, Kylie uh, and Kendall Jenner came in like the purple and the orange. I think that was last year. Yeah. That was fire. Okay. That, I really, yeah. really liked that one. Um, so, so what was the theme this year? It was going to be Vogue, Vogue inspired. Mm -hmm. It would have been fabulous. So, well, maybe they'll fabulous. move it for a few years down. But yes, I do love the Met Gala. I'm looking forward to seeing all the fashions. Fashion, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. And then speaking of shows, BET Awards just announced that they're going to have their, their a virtual awards show on June 28th. I mean, that's usually how I watch it anyway, so sure. Um, I wouldn't be okay if they postpone it, but that's neither here nor there because it's happening. Um, for me, like live performances is what makes the show anyway. So I right. feel like if they're going to do this, I need it to be on point. Like they need to be fully prepared. And I believe in BET. I believe in the awards. So I think that they can make it happen. But I think that like, Winners need to be pre-recorded. So, I mean, I would hate for somebody to win. It's like, hold on a second, they're in the bathroom, or you know, they're getting, they're getting, they're fixing a plate. I just don't want it to be like that. That is interesting because now that you mention it, that usually is why I'm watching the BET Awards to see the performances. So, I mean, you know, gone are the days of like the Source Award uh, Suge Knight moments. So, it really is for <laughs> it really is for the. The performances which i guess they could still do but they would just be performing without an audience yeah. yes i mean look i i fully trust that all of these productions are going to do a great job because they have been doing a really good job of recording stuff and putting it all together and making it entertaining mm -hmm. despite the fact that it's not necessarily live or you know it, the same as it usually is with the big crowd but yeah it'll be interesting i'm actually i think i'm i think i'm here for it i think i want to see what they what they put together but i'm with you because sometimes those technical issues can be really extreme and you want to make sure that everybody can like be there and get it out live when they when they're award and if you give them out too early yeah. then someone might just sneak on twitter like yo i won tricky oh true yeah but I'm, I think even with the performances. I'm glad they're still doing it. I'm glad they're still doing it. I like when people try and like push through and do it anyway, instead of delaying stuff that like then pushes off the next year's again. Not that you had to have the BET yeah. awards on a specific date, but um, I'm gonna check this out. I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. Same. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. Thanks again to Danny Treo for stopping by the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. Make sure you check us out on all our social media pages at Maybe I'm Crazy pod. Subscribe on YouTube, and you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, the iHeartMedia app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And check me out on Twitter, Joy Taylor Talks. And I have a live show on Caffeine every Wednesday at 3.30 Eastern. It's a free app. Go download it and subscribe to the Fox Sports channel. It'll give you an alert when we're live. It's an interactive show, really fun. You can chat with me, and we talk about sports. It's awesome. So go check that out as well. And of course, join me and Colin on The Herd, noon to three weekdays on FS1. And I'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Ooh.